What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this episode of Outside the Arena with Robin Griff. I'm Griffin Tenek, joined by my co-host, Rob Goldberger, and it is good to be back. Um, we, last week was really busy for both of us, um, so we couldn't get out the typical episode per se, um, but I did do an interview with NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, so if you haven't already checked that out, um, go ahead, go watch that video. Uh, great interview with Rap Sheet. Um, but with that being said, we're back this week, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. The NBA Finals obviously are underway. Um, right now, the series is at 1-1. Um, partly the reason uh, we ended up just waiting till today, we wanted to you know, be able to talk about Game 2. So the series is tied up 1-1. Obviously, Golden State won last night. Um, game 3 is not for, what, they yeah, June 8th? Like, so it's they, yeah, so many like days in between. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I guess Game 3 and Game 4, it, it's a little closer together. But All I right. mean... It's just so long in between these games. It's honestly annoying. But um, yeah, the NBA Finals. I mean, um, Golden State obviously as as you know they won their series pretty easily against Dallas in five. The Celtics, um, you know, they're coming off a, a game seven with the Miami Heat. I mean, I feel like we didn't even talk about that. Real quick, I mean, that that series, that game was highly competitive the Miami Heat I mean we got to give them credit yeah. and they they really surprised a lot of people and I think it really all the credit really goes to Jimmy Butler I mean that man I mean he had some rough games in that series but the way he played at the end of the series I mean just insane I mean this guy is truly one of the better players in the NBA um I think he really deserves you know to be in the discussion for top 10 top 15 kind of guy um I mean he, he's a really good player and he showed I mean obviously he missed that shot at the end but you, you know can't fault him for taking that. That's a perfect look. And, you know, I'm sure he's thought a lot about that shot and missing it, but that's just the name of the game. Sometimes you, you know, 2016 NBA finals, Steph Curry had some good looks and, you know, those final few minutes and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go in even for the best of them. So um, tough series. I don't know if you want to give quick thoughts on that before we jump to the finals. Yeah. I mean, look, I was a much better series than I was expecting because uh, I, I thought, you know, it was going to be Celtics after that first game that Miami took. I thought it was going to be Celtics rather quickly, to be honest, after that. But, I mean, Jimmy's greatness, man. I mean, I would even elevate him higher than top 10 just because of how how much he elevates his play in the postseason. Like, I think he was – I mean, I know Jason Tatum got that Larry Bird trophy, but I think without it – you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jimmy was the best player in that series. And he was really the only reason they were in it. And to me, Kyle Lowry and Bam Adebayo were just not good enough. They they really weren't. And look, Miami, for everyone talks about how 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 well run they are, this, that. They've over they've overachieved, but to me, they've done a really poor job surrounding Jimmy with what he needs. Because look, you have Kyle Lowry right now. He's gonna be making $30 million next year at 37 years old. You have Duncan Robinson making $18 million a year next year. You have Bam on a max contract, which I'm not really sure he deserves. And you got Tyler Hero, who's going to be wanting huge money soon. So, look, I think the Miami Heat are definitely going to be either to be looking to acquire another star or move some of their pieces because, look, they've only got a, a few years left of Jimmy. And Jimmy is, you know, behind – if we're, you know, if we're not counting LeBron, of course, and the likes of Steph in their own tier – he is a claim the best playoff performer in the league right now. I mean, this is a guy who consistently elevates his play in the postseason. He did it with the Sixers, you know, even when he was looking with like, you know, he was sort of checked out with the Sixers. He still elevated his play. I mean, he, he did it in Chicago. He does it everywhere he goes. This is a guy who elevates his play in the postseason. And to me, it, the guys around him just weren't good enough. I mean, he had, he had 47 points in game seven and they lost. That's not good enough from the rest of the team. And I just think, Look, I think Donovan Mitchell to Miami makes a little too much sense for both sides. I think you've got that, you know, there's some reports that Donovan Mitchell wants out and this Quinn Snyder look firing is looking like he like like his out. Well, not know. firing. He got he just well, no, sorry, not right? firing. Mitchell yeah. he left there, not firing. He departed. He didn't want to be there yeah. anymore, really. Please, Sixers. Please. Please. But uh but uh yeah, no, look. I think it makes a little too much sense. Donovan wants out. Miami's going to be looking for another star. And I think they're going to try to offload maybe that Robinson contract, uh, you know, one of those awful contracts that 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 they have, because they have three of them, in my opinion. So uh, yeah. it's not not good enough surrounding Jimmy. And Jimmy is just, just a goat, man. That's all I got to say. This guy is truly going to be looked back at as one of the most underappreciated players because he is a guy that I think, you know, might – 
definitely take it easy in the regular season. But when it comes to playoff time, you know, he's playing 48 minutes dominating on both on both sides of the court. And, you know, he turned into from a bad shooter into the regular season in the regular season to a great shooter in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Butler, I mean, this guy's playing through injury, too. You got to remember him. He got yeah. hurt in what was a game four, game five, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, he was hurt during the season, too. Yeah, I mean, he's just an exceptional player. And, you know, he's maybe not the flashiest player. You look at it in the league as, you know, you see some of these guys, obviously, you know, the, the shooting is seems to be what people get attention to, the dunking, obviously. Um, but, like, Jimmy Butler is as good as anyone, especially in the playoffs. I mean, he is uh, – I agree. He was definitely the best player in the series. Um, you know, historically, there's only been rare occasions where – you know, a player who was on the losing team won the, you know, award for best player in the series or MVP. So I'm not surprised it went to Tatum, but I, I agree with you that Jimmy Butler is definitely the best guy in the series. In terms of, uh, I mean, you bring up a good point with Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell would be a great piece there. I'm going to be honest. I just think Donovan Mitchell is going to be a New York Nick. I think it's just written in the stars at this point. I think he's a huge New York guy. He's a huge New York Mets fan. Yeah. Um, I think that's where he wants to be. I think, you know, I really do believe that he'll demand a trade. And I think the Knicks would be fools not to give up whatever they have to, to get him because you've got a, a superstar in the league, a rising superstar who wants to be in New York, who wants to be a Nick. And it just seems like the perfect fit. Um, I don't know what they'd have to give up to be. I mean, you wonder if they'd have to maybe trade RJ. I feel like RJ would probably fall into the category of untouchable though. I wonder if they would part with a guy like Randall. Um, I mentioned 26 by the time the season starts. I thought he was like 23 or 24. It's always he's a little up there. Yeah. yeah, because he stayed, he stayed all four years at Louisville. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, he's still in a, a very young superstar. No, he's, he's, um, yeah, yeah, he's, that the New York, I mean, the Knicks, that's the kind of play the Knicks think, need at the end of the day. I think that lends itself to another interesting discussion where it's like, so like another similar player sitting for agency is like a Zach Levine. Like, where do you like? Where, what type of money? Like, do you think he'll get similar money to Donovan Mitchell? Do you think that he's? I think Zach Levine is. Do you think he's going to leave Chicago? I just think it's. I think he's going to leave Chicago. I think he's gone from Chicago for sure. I I, I tend to agree because I don't think they want to pay him the money he's worth. That's why and I, I think he money. wants out as it is. I mean, you kind of see some of his comments. I think you can just kind of see that. You know, I, I think Zach Levine is a guy who. I mean, he's really had a resur- uh, not resurgence and upsurgence these last few yeah, years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think he'll go where the money takes him, if I'm being honest. I think, you know, I, I don't want to yeah. say what these guys will think, but, like, when you're a guy like that who was in the league for a few years and wasn't really, you know, hitting their stride and then you go somewhere else. I mean, this is this the first time he's hit free agency or no? It's, like, the first no, time he's an unrestricted free agent because he's only okay. – he's, He made, he's, like, 18 million, though, right? Remember, like he was traded in the first Jimmy Butler trade. Right, from yeah. Chicago to Minnesota, and he – it's crazy because he was just remembered as a he was known as like a role player dunker, and then he was yeah. It's a shame that injury really. Sorry, we're getting a little off course now, but I, I think it's an interesting discussion about free agents in, in the league. But I think like Zach Levine was great this year before his knee injury, and I, I would be really scared to pay him with that knee. I really would be because this is a guy who is who looked like a dynamic, dynamic like one of the the Chicago Bulls were the one seed for yeah. a, a quarter of the year, like longer than a quarter of the year. I mean. And then when he got hurt, they fell off a cliff. But this is he's an injury prone player. He's torn his ACL twice. He has consistent knee issues. Like, I, I just don't know whether this is a, a guy that a lot of teams are going to be comfortable paying. I think it all it takes is one team. And I think they'll absolutely be a team because yeah. you got to remember this is a competitive league. And when you have a guy like Zach Levine, who, you know, he really had a great year. I mean, he's had a few great years now. And I mean, teams are going to want this guy no matter what, I think. And, and I've learned that in the NBA. And I think he'll get his money. I think. You know, I think he's one of those guys that, like you said, like, yeah, he's an injury prone guy, um, kind of had a, you know, he's been in the league for a little bit now, hasn't really gotten that huge contract. So I think he'll go where the money takes him and, and rightfully so. I mean, he deserves to get paid. He deserves to get a huge contract and he should go where the money, the, the max money. I mean, unless it's close and you got one team who's, you know, a, a contender and one team that's, you know, Sacramento Kings. I mean, you know, <clears throat> go where the money takes you. So, um I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say what team I think, because like, I don't know what the cap situation is with a lot of these teams, to be honest. I don't know who could even afford a contract of Zach Levine at a free agency like that. I mean, there's a lot of good free agents that are going to be Excellent. on the table. I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting. So 
Sixers and West we'll Texas have been linked. And that's why I brought it. I don't know how I don't know how I feel about well, that. Well, I don't know. That would I would assume that would mean that Harden would have to not return them, right? No, it would mean or they would have to he, find sign and trade Tobias. with Tobias yeah, or something like that. Yeah, they'd get rid of Tobias and hope that Harden would take less than the max, which is what they're hoping for. Harden, I mean, yeah, he does he not. I can't, I can't give Harden the max. I, I just, I just mean, no, I, absolutely not. He needs to opt. What he needs to do is just opt in and let's. We you're you're under contract for another year. You're going to get a huge amount of money, and let's let's see how it plays out. It would be crazy. I mean, <laughs> how he um like messed up and didn't opt in in time for his player option at the deadline. Like now, if he opts out and just leaves, like that would be pretty. Yeah, I don't, crazy. Think, I don't think I don't think a lead though because Daryl Morey and there's only one back. team that would be desperate enough to pay him, and they don't even have the money. What team do you think would the be Lakers. desperate enough? The Lakers, a hundred percent, because they're always like at the end of the day, the Lakers will attract. If they could off. offload off Westbrook's contract, though, would they? Like, yeah, that's not. It's never going to happen, though. Like in my opinion, like it'll never. It's got one year left. I think if you, I think a team like Oklahoma would take like a first round pick and bring Russ back. At Oklahoma, I think actually might be a team but, that would do that. Yeah, but wait, what? What first round picks do the Lakers have to trade? They have, I think, one or two, that, like uh, rogue first round picks that they have. I think, like just floating around somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, the Russell Westbrook conversation is another interesting one because, I mean, you hear that the Lakers are planning to keep him, which is uh I mean, I think that that team last year was a mess. I think they tried to bring in all these random guys and just build a team together. I don't get why they didn't just run it back personally. They were banged up against the team that eventually – they were beating the team that eventually won the West before AD got hurt. I really don't – for as great as LeBron – for my estimation, the greatest player of all time, as bad as he is, I feel like he's equally as bad at assembling a roster to win a championship. I mean – Well, it's just – he's just had trouble – I think the Lakers have just run into such trouble because right now they have no people under contract outside of him and Anthony Davis. I mean, it's, and that's then, the problem like, where an example. You know, when, sorry. Yeah, you go ahead. Oh, sorry. An example of like just how incompetently I feel they're run right now. And I feel like they were truly saved by LeBron's decision to go there or else they'd still be where they were seven, eight years ago. I think like them penny pinching Alex Caruso, one of the, probably the, like the second best defensive player in your championship run. What is that? Why are you penny pinching Alex Caruso? And he's a, he's a game changer. Like he was a meme for a while, but that's a game changing player. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't get, like, it's just an example of how badly they're on, but sorry, keep, keep going Griff. No, I just think that the problem with them is, I mean, and this is what happened this year. I mean, they, they've traded all of these guys on their team also. Like they've had all this young talent through the years. Obviously I get they had to trade a lot of guys to get Anthony Davis and yeah, they got Anthony- a championship out of that. So you know, they they won't regret that for a second right. because you got a championship. But in terms of maximizing your current championship potential, you have LeBron James. I mean, I think part of the problem is Anthony Davis is always seeming to be hurt. So I think Anthony Davis has to stay on the floor. Otherwise, this team is effed because, you know, he's clogging up the books right now with all their money. Um, it, I, they have to figure out a way to construct a championship roster. And it's going to be really tough with the three contracts that it seems like they're going to have of, of LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook. Um, we'll see what they do for depth. I mean, last year it clearly didn't work, so you can't try and run it back with those guys because that was just an absolute disaster. I, I really don't know what they're going to do because, you know, I've said this in the past and I know this will never happen, but part of me feels that the, one of the best things the Lakers could do, and I know this will, this has a 0% chance of happening, yeah, is trade true. LeBron James. I think trading LeBron James would be obviously, you know, it's tough because, you know, LeBron, how old is he? 37, 38 now. 37, um, yeah, 37. You, this would never happen, but I mean, 30, what they would get for LeBron, it would just give them a reset. It would give them a reset in terms of salary that would allow them to, you know, really pursue some other guys because right, I'll be but, honest. I but also not, the, the thing about the, the Lakers though, is that they're not really, that they're not a basketball team. They're a brand. It would destroy yeah. their branding around the world. No, I, no, 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 you're right. And you prefaced it with that, but I'm just saying. Zero percent. Yeah. No, I, I think like also they just, I, I just don't see a way they can build a championship team right now because they don't also, have the like, money to you could you look at these championship teams. Look at the two teams in the finals right now. Sorry for interrupting you. You got the Celtics yeah, and the Warriors. Yeah. Look at how deep these teams are and how much talent they have from top to bottom. Although you I think you can make you I, I, I do agree. However, I think a lot of it really was just like like 
them like getting like like I don't think Steph was at his best was at his best like even last year. Like I feel like he was like like he was great last year. He finished third in MVP voting, but I feel like he was playing much more Warriors sure. productive like can use the basketball. And obviously like, both the teams have the superstars, but you look at the other guys. I mean, the Warriors have these guys like obviously Draymond's kind of yeah, a and star, that was my, but like yeah, like that was my whole point about Jordan Poole, Gary Keaton the second, Kuminga, yeah, Moody. I mean, there's just all these guys. Lakers don't that, have that right now. Now the, and that was my point about like like the the Westbrook was such a disaster because they did have that. Like for as much of a mean as he was, like Kyle Kuzma proved in Washington, in my opinion at least, that he's like a solid role guy. Like Davis Caldwell Pope is a solid role guy, and they're like the issue is talk about more injuries. Kendrick Nunn didn't even play this year, like. Kalen, the other thing is that oh, Lakers fans are no, yeah. So let me let me go. Let me let me just say something, like like Lakers fans, stop hyping up your young talent and then complain when LeBron and AD don't get enough help. The reason that they traded KCP and Kuzma and they were so confident is because they thought these young guys and none and THG could step up, and it turned out they weren't on that level. Like they weren't on the level of contributing role players. And like you said, they imagine if they had gotten. Um, what's his name? If they had gotten DeMar DeRozan instead, which was, he wanted to be there. They chose Russell Westbrook over him. DeMar would have taken a discount too. Yeah. And what, which means, that, which means that they probably, which means that they probably could have gotten Buddy Heald on their team. They probably could have gotten some role players on their team. Like just the whole Russ thing was such a disaster. And he's really crippled two franchises. Look at the position the Houston Rockets franchise was in before Russ came. Like they had just taken, in my estimation, the greatest team of all time to seven games. And then Harden, that like a lot of star players just have bad eyes for talent evaluation. Like Harden was like, they traded Chris Paul and picks for Russell Westbrook. Not just Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. They traded Chris Paul and picks for Russell Westbrook. So like, and now, I mean, I don't even have to mention, I mean, the Rockets are on the up and up because they have a young star in Jalen Green, but like, like we don't have to mention, they're, they're not what they were two years ago. So like, I just feel like you can't be trading for like, I just don't get it how the Lakers saw him cripple Houston and LeBron was like, let me get that on my team. I mean, I think the thing with Russ is like in previous years, I mean, obviously this, he wasn't going to come into the Lakers and average a triple double, which I think is a problem. And like, you look at, you know, all the years in the past, he's been playing, you know, statistically he's had very successful seasons, right. um, you know, but when you pair him with AD and LeBron, like he's just not going to do that. Like he's not going to be the same statistic guy. And it's like, like Russ on it. I mean, I think he, his whole struggle was blown out of proportion. Like, I don't think he was as horrific as people made it seem. Obviously it was bad, but yeah, like sure. this guy has always kind of been a guy like that where he's not really been a great shooter. He's never been like, you know, I think it was just blown out of proportion and, and, you know, popularized because the spotlight of the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, where he's when he was on the Thunder, when he was on the Rockets, when he was on the Wizards, you're not really seeing those, you know, full struggles. And, you know, they're not being illuminated. He's not having as many national television games. But like when you're when he's on the Lakers, I mean, yeah, you're in the spotlight with LeBron James. Like, yeah, every every little mistake you make is going to be overanalyzed in the media. So, I mean, Russ, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't think that it, they can win a championship with their current those big three and because I just don't see a way they can build around them three who I mean you'll you'll have I guess the veterans minimum maybe you can get someone but who else are you going to sign I mean guys are going to have to take significant pay cuts that to the point where they're making like no money and I I just don't see that happening I mean I don't know man LeBron is really going to have to do work a miracle to get a team that would be close to a championship at this point because they they just have no cap space I think the one thing that is worth, and I don't like, get them saying that they wouldn't trade a first round pick to trade Russ because the, yeah, these tough. first round like, picks in the NBA are literally worth they're nothing. worthless. Like, look, like the Nets just imagine this that happening in the NFL where the Nets just deferred their pick to the Sixers. What I picked 23 too. It's not like it's like a pick 47. What they, like, they said that what they'll they can Nets can the Sixers can have their pick, but I don't get okay. I'll take 20 first round we picks have it. literally no value, no value in the NBA. It is all about – I mean, there's a – sure, the top three picks, absolutely. Like, yeah. if that – at the top three or five, yeah, you're you're talking. But after that, I mean, it's like – it's just all about your talent evaluation and, and picking the guy you like best because we got, it's not yeah, the right. NFL where a I mean, first-round pick – like I know better than anyone. The Sixers – the Sixers picked Markel Fultz at one and Tyree Smacks at 21. So, it's like <laughs> – 
you know, it's like it. It really is. First round picks mean nothing. I don't know. I thought you know. We're definitely. <laughs> I thought we were talking about the finals, but we. I mean, this is an interesting, uh, interesting conversation. Definitely, and you know, the whole. I mean, those reports. I mean, it, it's hard to believe at that point. Like, it's like what. What, they went trade a first round pick well, like, in NBA. Right, now Westbrook. we now now we can get into like a deeper institutional discussion. The Lakers, which is like apparently like the Rambis family is essential. Have you seen this? That, I've like, seen the yeah that the they're Rambis running family who like Kurt Rambis has been out of basketball for a decade plus at this point, and he was a horrible head coach when he was when he was an average like he was a role player on their championship teams, and now like him and his wife, and mostly his wife are running the team. <laughs> I don't like he was gonna appoint himself head coach at a point. I don't obviously they ended up hiring Darvin Ham a couple days ago, but I mean I don't which I think is a good hire for them. Which I, I think that they needed definitely an outside mind to come in and imbue some new life and especially who's like just been, you know, Darvin Ham just was on a good finals team. He's no, like yeah, experienced yeah, yeah. coaching superstars like that's a player who you need, not a player, a coach you need. You need someone like I just kind of get the feeling I was, uh, from what I was the Bucks say. Right? Hire, sorry, I was hoping like, they were going to hire Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, yeah. Oh my god! I mean, or if that you heard that they were looking into Doc Rivers. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, but I mean, Darvin Ham's a good hire. Um, I don't know. The, the whole Rambus thing is just crazy, and the Lakers are a mess right now. For being honest, I mean. It sucks because LeBron right now, I mean, you want to see, he had all those, you know, eight finals in a row, I believe it was. And now it's like not nine, it's just the Lakers eight or nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretty good. Either and, way. and now it's like the dude came to the Lakers, obviously won the one finals, but has missed the playoffs in two years and made the plan in one. Like it, they've been a mess in three of the four years that LeBron has been there. Total mess. And the championship team they had was very good. I don't know what, yeah, no, I, why they disbanded. I wonder, like, people say it's a bubble ring, but that team was the best team in the NBA by a lot that year. Like during they, yeah. they weren't they were um like that team was AD 15. was playing like a top five player. LeBron was a top five player. No, yeah, they were the best and team. Their in role players were very good. No, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the current NBA finals. Obviously, yeah. Boston. Golden State. Uh, game one was very interesting. I mean, this really looked like, I mean, you see Steph Curry, I believe he made, what, six threes in, was it the first of the second quarter, first quarter, um, or first half, something like that. Um, I mean, they, they just collapsed, and then, you know, the Celtics I came think. on, and then game two was just the polar, I mean, Golden State just dominated in the uh, third quarter, and, and that was that in game two. So, what are your thoughts right now on this series? Yeah, for me, I like Golden State in this series for multiple reasons. Obviously, one being that I'm a Sixers fan, but the other <laughs> being that I think Boston's – it seems like Jason Tatum is struggling a lot. I understand he had, what, 20, 28 points last night, I believe. Yeah. He, was a, he was a minus 36, if I'm correct. I don't have it pulled up here. but I Yeah, I believe it was minus 36. Two for 10 from not not the three. So, two-point yeah. shots. Yeah, so not, not good enough for Jason Tatum. And I think – while Boston Boston was outplayed for almost the entirety of game one, and then they went on a shooting stretch for five minutes where they couldn't miss. And that was the that ended up being the difference in the game. I was watching with a friend and I, I just didn't think it was just like I said to him, I just didn't think it was sustainable. Like I just yeah. and I think look, I think it's so hard to predict because Boston really likes to make it tough on themselves. I mean, even even Imadogo said uh, you know, said just that. But look, man. If, I think the, the key in this series to me is Jordan Poole. If Jordan Poole steps up, this is not a close series. The Warriors are the best team in basketball by far when Jordan Poole is a functioning piece, functional piece. But look, I think there have been times this play, these playoffs where the lights have been far too bright for him. And it's understandable from someone who's 23. But I, and I think, you know, I see it with Tyrese Maxey when he plays for the Sixers. You know, he can, he'll have some unbelievable all-time young guy playoff games. But the problem with young guys, much like even a Jason Tatum type of character, is that – you know, when these guys just go missing sometimes, and that lends me even, I, I can even shift to Tatum here for a second. Is that Jason Tatum just goes missing far too often for me? Game one, think, three for 17. I mean, he had the and 13 I think, assists that kind of shielded himself. I but. think the Celtics have it, by far the best roster, by far the best depth, in my opinion, in basketball. I mean, them and the Warriors, these are the top two teams. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the Bucks went healthy, also very good depth. Yeah. 
Yeah. They just, yeah. Lakers, uh, too, are sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, yeah, I just think it, it, it's tough. And, like, it's tough for me to put him among these top guys when Jason Tatum just is disappearing as often as. But look, he's in the finals, and I'm saying that. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know how legitimate this Al Horford run is. Yeah. And I think it's Al Horford run, like Al Horford's playoffs, like Al Horford is the reason why they are where they are right now. I can't believe that's coming out of my mouth, but it's the truth. This is a guy who majorly stepped up in the Miami in the Miami games. I mean, he was one of the best. I think he was probably the third best player during that during that my uh, Miami series on either on either team. And I think I don't know, man. I just think Boston's end of game decision making, even in that game seven against Miami, really isn't too good. I think. Marcus Smart likes to play hero ball a little too often. I think that they don't pass the ball. I don't think what they do is conducive to winning at the end of the, at the end of these games. And I just think I really can't see them beating the Warriors here. I think that this Warriors death machine is just going too far. And I think, to be honest, I'm tired of the Steve Kerr slander because this man was they were beaten in game one. They were, and they adjusted. They killed them. They they literally took away everything they were beat at in game one and the Celtics couldn't score the ball. And I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know about Tatum being able to carry them to a serious victory here. I don't. And I think that's what, and I think that's what's going to have to happen at the end of the day for the, for the, for a Celtics victory. I think that, I mean, I think when we were making our finals predictions, um, you both well, had the word in even, there for sure. I guess we didn't even make it, but I mean, I've, my whole thought that since the start has been Warriors and six. Um, I, I just think that Golden State is uh, a, definitely a level above Boston. And I think they, like you said, I mean, Boston really needs like, like you look at game one and you see, you know, Al Horford had 26 points. <laughs> Derek White had 20, 21 quarter. points. Um, those guys, I mean, that's what Boston needs to beat Golden State. It's guys like Al Horford and Derek White to play out of their mind. And to be honest, game one might have been the best game of the series. There's a very high chance that that was the best game of the series for both Al Horford and, and Derek White, which doesn't bode well for Boston. Um, Jason Tatum, like you said, I mean, he really is going to have to step up because obviously, you know, sure, he had 28 last night. But like you said, the, you know, the plus minus differential was horrific. And you know, this guy hasn't played too well. And, you know, the reason he's criticized so much and looked at through such a, a big lens is because he's considered a top 10 player in the NBA, yeah. you know, first team, all NBA, I believe this year. Yeah. Um, like you gotta play like a superstar at that point. And that's why a guy like, I think a guy like Devin Booker, I mean, I think that his game seven, I think Chris Paul really took a bunch of that slander for nah, that. But he was the worst player. Mavericks. Yeah. But Devin Booker also, I mean, he was a first team, all NBA. He was horrific Great. as well. I mean, he really, kind of it seemed like just snuck away from all the the sleep yeah, that, that cp3 was getting and when it really should have been both of them and i actually do think we kind of touched on how both of them were really bad but obviously chris paul um you know the all-time choker it seems at this point but yeah boston i mean you look at game two al horford put up two points and you know Derek white put up Derek white's been a good piece you know he put up 12 and, and whatnot right. but marcus smart two points i mean like if you don't have guys like that going off, I mean, outside of Tatum and Brown, if no one's really doing anything, it's you're done. Like the Golden State Warriors have just such a good team. And this is what I mean. Clay Thompson was four for 19, one for eight from three, and they won one for nine from three, and they won by like 20. Like he might, he might be, might be a little, he might be a little lost at this stage, sadly. I think Clay, I mean, yeah, Clay Thompson has not been himself. All. I think. People, you know, obviously what happened with Clay is just very sad. And, and the fact that he had to miss two whole years because of everything is just awful. And I feel for him, um, you know, I think he, you know, people like to run with the narrative that he's back. And, you know, I, I think everyone understands that he's not the same guy. And, and, you know, he's definitely, you know, he he can put up very strong performances. But as Clay Thompson, when Clay Thompson left the game, Clay Thompson was one of the best players in basketball. And at this point, do I think Clay Thompson's an all-star caliber player? No, definitely not. All right, all right. Um, Settle the debate, debate for me. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. I just have to. I, I have to ask you. Who is yeah. a better all-time player, Clay Thompson or Damian Lillard? So I'll tell you my – I'll give you my opinion first. I, I think, think it's that – I think it's absolutely Damian Lillard because 
you can't compare a, a, a third a, a, a third guy. I think Damian Lillard he was the better player. I think Damian Lillard, but if you're looking at all time great, I mean Clay Thompson's got the championships. So I don't know if that's I would fair, put because like you can't say that Anthony Davis is better than Charles Barkley. Clay Thompson was Anthony Davis has won championship. Clay Thompson was a a superstar player. On, uh, he was a, he was an all star. He was never he was never a top ten player. He was the number two option on Golden State for their first finals, and was the number I would two agree, option. But on Golden I don't, State yeah, but I would argue. Their, I would make the argument that Clay was the third best player on that team. What Draymond? You're saying? Or? Well, I think Draymond was definitely more important. Was definitely as important as Clay. I think it's tough. I think that Damian Lillard is definitely a better player than Clay Thompson. I just think um, it's an interesting reflection on Dame's legacy because, like, for years he's been considered one of the better players in the NBA. But at the end of the day, can you even say he's better than Clay Thompson? Like, I think the fact that it's a bit, it's a debate is very well. He's definitely better than Clay Thompson. Um, it's just like greater. if you're looking at it as an accomplishment standpoint, Damian Lillard. You know, it's an unfortunate situation because if you put Damian Lillard on the Golden State Warriors, it's like, is Dame as good as Steph? No, but like, does Dame probably get a ring with that one of those Warriors teams? Like, probably, especially if you put him on the KD Warriors. Like, I don't. Oh, if you put him on the KD Warriors, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but like, maybe not the first year with 2015. I don't know if he gets the ring, but like, I don't know. Dame, it's a tough conversation. Obviously, Dame is not Steph, and I don't mean to compare them, but. Um, <laughs> It's very interesting. But, yeah, I mean, the Warriors, I mean, you've got Jordan Poole, Jordan Green, yeah, I just, I, I just um, Looney. I mean, there's just all these guys, man. It, it really is in, in, impressive what they've assembled. Um, Otto Porter. I mean, yeah, I'm just yeah, looking at – Imagine if they hadn't bought – the craziest part to think about is that they completely botched the number two pick, and people will be like, Lamel, like, like, sorry. Like, I, like, sorry. Like, I'm not going to hear this argument that, like – Lamelo would have stunted the championship hopes of the Warriors. Like no, to no, me, no. it would literally. I just, just think would it would have put Clay Thompson in. A, I I think the person who would have whose yeah, growth would have been stunted would have been Andrew Wiggins. It would have been. I, Andrew I don't Wiggins think. That I and think. people say it's like it would have been like prevented Poole's breakout. Like I don't agree. Like I think Poole and Lamelo could play perfectly fine with one another. I think, like you said, it would probably be Wiggins and Clay most affected. Affected. I just think it's crazy that like you made this point. Like they have one. They're, they have some of the they have probably the best roster in basketball by a lot and like like it just all kind of assembled this year yeah they, and they and they but they completely botched they're they're arguably the most important piece of the entire rebuild and, and it didn't matter they did have they did have top picks this uh, this year though you know Seven kuminga and, and moody haven't been amazing yeah but if you if you're those replace, are quality players yeah but if you replace do you think that the Warriors and obviously are, they hit it out of the park with Number two pick, like no doubt, they botched that, and that was looked at as like the key to their rebuild, the key to yeah. championship contention. But look at what they also did. I mean, they they Jordan Poole has emerged as a diamond in the rough, and Wiggins they've really evolved, and then you've got these guys like Gary Payton yeah, run, and he's been great. Damian Lee they developed like to me it all a great comes job. down that that all comes down to back to one thing though, and I really think that's Steph Curry's greatness. Like the reason that all these guys are able to be who they are and even be able to do this is because. Four defenders are focused on Steph Curry every time he has the ball. Like, it's just the truth. And I think when you look back on it, Steph is going to have – if he wins this ring, he's going to have a a combo to be one of the top ten best players who's ever played this game. Like, change the sport. I think Steph Curry is a top ten player of all time. I agree. I agree. I'm not trying to – I I, I just want to – I think he absolutely is. I think he changed the sport. And I just think, like – I still think he's so underrated. I think there's this narrative. Like, I just want him to get that finals MVP just to cement his legacy. And I think it's such a joke he doesn't have one. Because, like, let's be real. Andre Iguodala was not the Warriors' best player in that series. Steph Curry was. Steph Curry averaged, like, 25 and 7 in that series. I I, I don't, you know, it's whatever. And I think think it's unfortunate. Sorry, I'm going to get a little sentimental. Is that those KD years robbed us of, you know, the conversation about, Steph's greatness even potentially approaching the best of the best because you couldn't really compare him in terms of, you know, cause he had another all time great on his team. Like it, it just sucked that that happened. It really ruined the parody of the NBA and it ruined some great NBA discourse, but it's like, I just think Steph Curry is still, despite, you know, being a global superstar, despite being, you know, one of the most iconic faces of the game, it's still such an underrated player to me. Definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, this generation of basketball, I think if you look at guys who could potentially be 
top 10 all time, obviously LeBron um, and Steph is there for me. And, you know, I think, you know, you've got two other guys who I think could maybe right now find themselves way down the line in that conversation. And that's Giannis and Luca. Yeah. I think those are the only four guys currently playing basketball that can get there. KD to me, I mean, as great as he is, I I just don't think he's top 10 player of all time. Um, And by no means am I saying Luca is the top 10 or Giannis (laughs) right now, but the way Giannis is playing, you would have to imagine that he'll, he'll be a top 10 player when it's all said and done. If, you know, God forbid, you know, he doesn't get injured along the way. And same with Luca. Um, I mean, Luca's definitely got to up his game even a little bit though to, you know, get there. But yeah, well, we need Luca with some with some real role player. We need Luca's got to get some rings too. Top ten all time. You got to be a championship. Yeah, no, you, you got to have two. I think you probably got to have two or three rings to be in the combo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Warriors in, in six for me is what I've kind of been thinking, and and that's what I'm going to stick with here. So I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm assuming I you've said Warriors. Yeah, I'll go Warriors. In, yeah, I'll go Warriors in six here. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, this NBA offseason should be interesting. Crazy that the Warriors are back, but I mean, what a job they've done. And man, Jordan Poole. I mean, the, the, it's just the fountain of youth in Golden State right now. I mean, the kid's about to turn 23 years of age. And then they've got so much more young talent and Steph Curry, obviously still is playing ball. I mean, it, it's just pure insanity. How, how yeah, good this and I, team think, is. I, I touched on this earlier, but it's really like his greatness and his longevity longevity has allowed them to do two things at once. And you also mentioned this is like at the same time, they're competing for these championships. They're also developing their young core. Yeah. Like it's allowed them to put their hands in both baskets. It's just so, so rare. They haven't, they, yeah, they have a, a next generation. I mean, Obviously, Wiseman, who knows what that's going to be he's at done. this point. He's cooked. He's a cooked product. You think? Yeah. I thought so. Um, the craziest part is I thought so even before he was hurt. I never thought he was good enough to be the second overall pick for me. I, um, To be fair, I was also a huge on Yeko and Kongu fan. And the problem is I think, that, I think that what we're seeing is this, you know, James Wiseman obviously – you know, he left Memphis. There was all that controversy. I think it's, I think losing that whole year, man. I mean, I think you learn when you're in college for a year, even the G league to, I mean, I don't, the jury's still out on going, if going to the G league is the right move. Um, But man, when you play in college, like I think there's a level of where when you're like the star guy and you're really learning how to be, you know, college is look, unless you're playing in Europe, of course you're, uh... yes, obviously. But like college is, (laughs) Cubs is not the NBA, but like when you're playing and same with Lamelo, Lamelo went overseas and, and this turned out great. But like, I think you need to have a year in, in, in college. I think it can be so helpful for, for some of these guys. And when you just take a year off, um, like that's like, I think that's what I'm trying to say is when you just straight up take a year off, basically from playing competitive basketball in yeah, like I mean, a I think- year of development, like when you would see, obviously when players are still able to go from high school to league, they went, they played, you know, LeBron, Kobe, those guys, they went from high school right to the NBA and started playing and developing. Yeah, James think, Wiseman essentially just took a year off. And obviously yeah. you have this whole training thing, but like it hasn't panned out. And I know that's a rare case. You don't really see that happen too often, but I think it really hurt his development. And I think that James Wiseman, obviously he's had the injuries and everything, but I think, you know, that, that to me is a key year of, of development. And yeah, a lot of guys can, can use that year, I think. I think that this G League Ignite thing is really going to end up working out, though. I mean, especially if their first guy, their big, their first big name guy is Jalen Green, and I mean, he was excellent to end the year. He got a lot of flack, but he was excellent to end the year. I mean, he was he went back to back rookie of the month. I'm a big Jalen Green guy. Let's see how. Let's I'm, see how. I don't love him to be honest, but I mean, yeah, he played good at the end of the year. But again, the jury's still out on the G League Ignite, and if that is the uh, the way yeah. to go. I mean, Jalen Green, I mean, what was he like? The number two ranked prospect, basically. Yeah, so, he was the number I mean, two pick. I think Moblin, I, I was, I thought Mobley was way better coming out. He's still, and I think Cade Cunningham and Mobley, I think, what a disgrace Scotty Barnes won rookie of the year. Holy Jesus, <laughs> not Mobley or Cade. Like, it was, it's so obviously to appease that awful Canadian, like, I'm just going to say it. Sorry, Brett, that awful uh, Canadian fan base up in Canada or that, you know, I just think. Mm-hmm. Like they just like, I just can't believe. It. I know as a Cavs fan, that probably was you probably weren't too happy with. It that. is what it is. Like I, I, honestly, at this point, I mean, like awards are they are what they are. Like I think yeah. the NBA is just like it's just stupid. Some of these it's awards, such a joke. But, yeah. Uh, well, because the, um, the parameters shift every year. Every year, it's a new thing. I just think with the NBA, like I just don't think like 
the right guy never it just seems like the right guy never gets the award like in i i do feel like in the mlb genuinely genuinely the guy who deserves it gets the award like mike trout has won a lot of mvps and mike trout hasn't made the playoffs in years and that's how it should be if we're being honest like when you are as good as someone like that yeah and and you see otani won it last i mean like those guys aren't on winning teams but they're winning the award because they're the best player and that's how it should be um like when james harden had that uh was it yeah that was the year or 36 8 and 7 and didn't win mvp (laughs) what a joke come on man like the nba is just i mean look this year was tough with joe kitchen i know Embiid, and i think joe kitchen you know that was very close i think it's very hard to say who deserved to win that and you know, and and be well, I guess Jokic missed some time, you said too, right? I Jokic played in I think it was like six or seven more games than Embiid this year. So nothing so it's close. I mean, it's just, who knows? My, I don't my, know. my thing is just this like, year wasn't the worst year I've seen. No, no, NBA. definitely not the worst. But like LeBron I mean, should have way more MVPs also. Yeah, my only thing is just like um like with the Embiid situation is that like I know it's not supposed to be narrative based, but at a certain stage, like it is narrative based if you're choosing to give a guy back to back MVP. Like if you're back to back MVP, and I felt the same way about Giannis and Harden too, where I thought Harden should have got it. Giannis is, or um, like I think Harden. Has Giannis won two MVPs. Two. He won. He went back to back. He stole. He, I think he's stolen one and arguably two from James Harden to be honest. But it's whatever. Um, like I just think this whole concept of like back to back MVPs, like you have to be doing something truly, truly special. Like James Harden was averaging 36, 10 and. Or 36, 8, and 7. Sorry, I keep saying 36. Yeah. To me, it's he had like, like tons of 50 point games. Joel, like, yeah, he should have won. Be, like, it sucks. Like, I just need him to get that ring. Like, I need it at the end of the day. I need it more than anything else in pro sports. Cause, like, this man, the, it, his legacy cannot be second team all NBA. He's one of the greatest ever, centers to ever play the sport. He cannot, that cannot be his legacy because a bunch of idiots are too dumb to vote. You know, you'll get to, to realize that the NBA is not freaking played one through five anymore. Isn't that the whole appeal of Nikola Jokic in the first place? So why are you voting him as a pure like I don't get it. It gets me going. Like the fact that Jason Tatum made first team over him over him this year. The fact that Devin Booker went made first team over him over this year. It's whatever. And like I think hopefully, like you said, people will learn to look back and not value any of these bullshit awards. But it's like I do think that a certain like I just think that the issue with like the NBA media in particular is like, there's a huge group thing. And specifically like behind some of the ESPN guys, like, I think like these guys just like the narrative to me in the beginning of the year was like, Oh, it's Steph's year again. So he's going to win MVP. And then for like four months, it was like, Embiid's the best player in the sport. And then all of a sudden that fucking straw poll came out and it was like, it was like Jokic's 62 MVP votes. And now everybody's like, now we have to vote Jokic for MVP. Like, I just don't get it. There's such a massive group. Trip. And why was it like, why wasn't Giannis further in the conversation? Like, I don't, I would have been better with Giannis when they get than Jokic, to be honest. But it's like, it's whatever that you're going to have one of the greatest. It's just going to be embarrassing for the NBA when you're going to have one of the greatest centers to ever play the sport. And he's going to have, you know, not that defensive, but he's still a relatively young guy. And I think, hopefully with new medicine and new surgeries. And I think hopefully he'll be able to defy a lot of expectations with, with his legs. And I think he at least has, you know, three, four great years left in him. So we'll see. I think it sucks that I just think it sucks that that's what's going to show in his resume. Sorry for the rant, but that's, that's what I have to say about the NBA's award voting system. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's it's crazy. I mean, Nikola Jokic, a two-time MVP, it's just kind of crazy. Um, Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. Honestly, the NBA is just in a weird spot. They, I don't know. I don't have too much more to say. I feel like you covered it pretty well. So I'm going to leave it at that, honestly. We both have Warriors in six. Um, stay yeah. tuned. Obviously, the you know next week we'll talk about um, whatever is remaining. I mean, I, what are they, they'll probably play like two games from now until then. Uh, maybe if we're lucky, two games. I, I don't even know. <laughs> Such a joke. I mean, we're waiting till Wednesday for the next game. And then I guess yeah. Friday is the next one. So, yeah, I guess uh, – There'll be two games from from now on, so yeah. we'll we'll talk about games three and four next week. Um, but with that, we'll jump ship here a little. Sorry, one more one more NBA thing. Do you want to hear an absolutely insane stat? Draymond Green is is number ten all time in finals assists, ahead of the likes of Kobe and Larry Bird. And what five finals now? Yeah. 
not that shocking. I mean, it's crazy, but it's just when you're there five years, it's going to happen. Um, the crazy thing is, that, I mean, people don't under I, I, this is another thing, but like the fact that LeBron James made eight or nine straight finals, what was it? Was it nine? You're saying? I think LeBron made nine in a row. You could be right, though. You, it might have been eight, but I, let's see how many in a row. Finals history. Well, he played, I actually, I could name everybody. He played in 2011, he played in 2012, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. He played in 2020. No, it was eight, and then he made it was eight, yeah. He made nine, and then it was eight in a row. Nine right? in ten years and eight in a row. <laughs> what a joke. I, I mean, I know Michael Jordan's got the six finals, but man, I mean, I know I'm biased as well, so it's hard to say. But I, I yeah, do but here's my, thing about, the greatest here's my thing about the LeBron hate is people will be like, he went through an easy East, but is it a coincidence that that East got insanely strong once he left? Come on. Oh, shit. I just closed out of some stuff. All right. Um, yeah, Le- LeBron is uh, – that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but, we um, can have – yeah, maybe – Maybe yeah, we don't have time. Yeah, we'll save that. But um, all right. With that, um, I mean the MLB. We haven't talked about, you know, in a, a, I guess I don't even know what we last talked about. But um, obviously, right now, um, you know, our, our teams are, uh, you know, doing well. The Phillies had a little hot streak. They are uh, four under five hundred now. Um, the Mets right now are the best team in the NL East. The best team in the NL, I should say. Um, Eighteen games of five hundred, eight and a half game lead. I do want to ask you, I mean, we'll jump, we'll talk about a few things, but I mean, do you think at this point that uh, the Mets have the NL East or do you think that, you know, yeah, the Braves or the Phillies, you know, could maybe come back and make a run at it? Yeah. I mean, I'm a little, uh, I think the Braves definitely have a better shot at the Phillies at this point, but I think the Mets probably have it locked up. I mean, 12 and a half games really is just, it's a huge margin to have built up by the time June starts. What is it at this point? 11 and a half? I'm not sure exactly. They're eight and a half over the Braves. Eight and a half. Yeah. I don't know. Now the Mets got a lockdown, dude. I mean, look, the fact that the fact that they're doing this out there pitching is pretty unbelievable. And I always forget that. Like the other thing is that like Scherzer will be healthy, obviously, but we'll see what the like when when exactly I thought the ground was supposed to be like he threw a bullpen yeah, recently. Yeah, I thought he was yeah. They're taking it really slow, which I understand because they're yeah. 18 games over 500 and he hasn't thrown a pitch. So there's no reason to rush it back. Um, and that's the difference between real quick between last year and this year. When Jacob DeGrom got hurt in the middle of the season last year, the team completely collapsed. This year, I mean, they, he hasn't pitched in their 18 over 500. So, like, imagine, imagine when you replace Trevor Williams with Jacob DeGrom in your rotation. Like, it's yeah. like it's going to be a joke. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, it just sucks to watch this, but look, I mean, I'm just put, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm praying on a Mets collapse. I'm praying on the Mets downfall, and that's that's sort of what I'm I'm hoping for. Just an, an annual midsummer collapse. But look, like you said, I think it's just like the team not being built around one player essentially. And like, yeah, Pete Alonso is just mashing the baseball at a certain point. Like Pete Alonso is just mashing it. I mean, he's on pace for like he's what top three? three. He's on pace for forty-seven dingers, right? And like one hundred and twenty RBIs, one hundred fifty RBIs, one hundred and fifty RBIs. Yeah, holy shit! But yeah, <laughs> I mean. Look, this is this guy's gonna. He's in the MVP conversation. I mean, he's gonna. Him, Betts, and Goldschmidt, I think, are the top three guys right now. If I'm being honest. Yeah. If Bryce wasn't hurt and played on a competent team. (laughs) Yeah, Bryce is. I mean, Bryce is always up there, but the way Pete is playing right now, I I think he's got to be. Look, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about the Mets. Like, they're. I I will say one thing though, and I think like in the last few years at least, like I think the sport or at least an analysis from what I've seen definitely has like overlooked the manager position. I really do think it has. And I think this like, like Buck was the perfect fit. He was the perfect hire. Yeah. Like, just like, like, I hate to say it, but like, <laughs> like just to reduce my analysis to this, but like, I just saw with the fills, like the vibes are off. Like, this is not like they hated the manager. Like you can't like a team isn't going to play good baseball. And I think like, like if you just, uh, I'm just going to shift the combo to the fills for one second. Like, there's a point where like Girardi wasn't standing up for his guys in the infamous Schwarber incident incident. I think the whole team was just done with him after that. I think like, like you said, like you got to make it like when you have a huge payroll and you're not performing, like, like here's my thing. Like you got to let your star players figure it out. And like, you can't have guys that are 
you, you gotta like, you can't turn on them. You gotta turn, you gotta make a change at that manager position for everything else. And I think like, it's just benefited the Mets. And I'm just hoping to see, I really am. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm just hoping to see like a carbon copy of what happened with the Mets with the Phils with, with this, with, with, with uh notorious dog, Rob Thompson at the helm. But um, I, I don't know. It's just, Sorry, I'm just sort of ranting on Joe Girardi's disengagement, but it's just like it yeah. sucked to see what like the Mets had obviously struck gold. Yeah, I mean, I'm very curious. Obviously, you know, Rob Thompson's the guy right now, but we'll see how he does rest of the year. I mean, I'm very curious to see what the Phillies end up doing at manager in the future yeah. because that obviously will be a huge thing next offseason for them, especially if, you know, if they go under 500 with this current roster and how much money they're making, um, you know, Disaster. things are going to have to start changing just like what happened with the Mets. I mean, and that's the difference, I guess, between the Phillies and the Mets, like with Cohen, the Mets kept spending this offseason. They went crazy, but with the Phillies owner, what's his name again? John Middleton, John Middleton. Like, I don't know how much higher he's going to go with the payroll for being honest. And that's okay. not like a dig at him. Like he's already done, like he's already put together a huge payroll, but he needs the first this time. Needs, it's this his first time ever though. And like, to be fair, like it is, like, I'm not going to sit here and praise him because he let this idiot Andy McPhail run the franchise for, like, six years, and that's why we're in the position we're in. Like, he got hired immediately. He bought the team immediately, hired McPhail, was here for six years, got and then, like, he was so bad that they had to move him to, like, ticket sales part of the team. When did even, Middleton buy the team? 2012. First year we didn't make the playoffs, I believe. And you haven't made it since. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Um, that is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Mets right now, I mean, the, the series against the Dodgers to me, I, I think it kind of just showed that their team is they They can be, they can hang with just about anyone. I'm not really worried about them. I think that they are uh, on their way to a, a division title barring like a Lindor and P Alonzo injury, to be honest. I think that those guys are just difference makers for them and, and so huge to their success. Um, and I mean, man, like I do believe that if this team go and if this team has a healthy rotation and a healthy team for the playoffs and they go out and, you know, get another bat and and some bullpen help at the deadline, I I think that they are serious, serious world series contenders, because I, I just don't know a team who can go out if the Mets lineup is, is performing how it is and their bullpen, they've got an elite closer in Edwin Diaz some good arms out there. They've had the emergence of Colin Holderman, Stephen Nagosik, Drew Smith. Uh, with the rotation at DeGrom, Scherz, or Bassett, Carrasco in the playoffs, I just don't know a team that can, can beat them, honestly. And I'm not even trying to be like uh, – I know that there's going to be injuries, and I don't know who will be injured, but that – I mean, if that can be their rotation in the playoffs, I, I just don't know who would beat them. Like, I, I don't know your thoughts, but I mean, it's really tough. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just sucks to see. Like, I don't know. Joe, just say, like, it sucks to see. But, like, I don't know. I just think, like you said, like, I think it's very I, – I think, like, as a Mets fan, you just got to be praying that once DeGrom comes back, he can stay healthy because they're unstoppable. Yeah, if, sure. DeGrom is, if DeGrom is not healthy, I don't believe they'll win the World Series. Or I, they'll like, still make the honest, playoffs, like obviously, but like, they won't That's kind of what I'm reducing it to. It's like, it's like, I don't know. Like, I – they need Jacob Grom and Max Scherzer it was like, healthy it's like, in the playoffs. Bottom line, if Chris Bassett is hurt, they might be able to. They they might be fine. Max Scherzer and Jacob Grom have got to be healthy because those are two guys that you can almost count on to win. I believe in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although Mad Max last year, I don't know. Nah, I mean, well, the dead arm, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Nah. Um, DeGrom, I mean, DeGrom did in 2015. Do you know how horrible it would be to watch a Braves-Mets series back-to-back, World Series back-to-back? Oh, that, yeah, for you. I think I think the best – I'll be 100% honest. I mean, I might be bi- – I'm obviously biased with this, but I do believe that the best thing that could happen for baseball is a Mets-Yankees World Series. I think that would do – yeah, that's, that's, a very, that's a very New Yorker perspective. New York. Obviously, but like, who would not? Who in the world would not be excited to watch that series? A Phillies fan. <laughs> <laughs> a Phillies fan. Fair, but like, you would have as, you, a, baseball, that would be the first, as a baseball that would, fan. Imagine that, that series. No, yes, of course. I mean, a Subway Series. I mean, uh, we saw it in two thousand, but like, oh my god. The other thing super- is just like, oh. Uh, 
God, that would be terrible. The Yankees. The best two records in the AL and That AL. Yankee. That, talk about a starting rotation, baby. That Yankee starting rotation. My word. I just, it doesn't even make sense. I just don't believe no, these guys are as good, good as they are. Pitchers. I know. These guys aren't good pitchers. I mean, Nestor, maybe Nestor is just elite, and I just maybe and Nestor Cortez. I'm start. I I keep. I've been waiting for this guy to blow up, but I mean, at this point, I, I have to keep believing that this guy's as good as he's pitching. Unreal. <laughs> I don't. Jamison Tyone and Jordan Montgomery, though, like and Severino, like I don't in those in the playoffs. I do not believe in those guys to go out and like they've been yeah dominate. I mean, I've just been. I'm almost like bewildered how how good they've been this year. I don't get it. The Yankees are 24 games over 500. Yeah, that's a joke. They're running away with that division. I mean, and there's the division has three other playoff teams right now. It's yeah, insane. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and the AL is a total joke. Outside, outside of outside the, of three, the, outside of like four. Outside teams. of the division leaders in the American League, there are two teams over 500. That's crazy. It's so hard to like. I, I mean, I don't mean to be obvious here, but it's just so hard to tell anything in June, man. It really is. I feel like you really don't get a clear, clear picture until the beginning of August. It's only been two months. I mean, yeah, those guys. Nestor Cortez could implode and finish the year with like a four ERA. Yeah, right, dude. Uh, we have Corbin. <laughs> the Mets Yankees is just in sickening. It's insufferable for everybody besides New York, besides Mets and Yankees fans. Yeah, like like then that yeah he's being good at the same time. It doesn't happen that often these days. Yeah, well, it hasn't because the Mets have been so bad. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But look, I'm just hoping for a Philly from a Phillies for Philly fan perspective, man. I'm just, I I just have to be hopeful because I think I have no reason I have no reason to be. They've let me down countless times over the years, <laughs> but yeah. I think with the Philadelphia Phillies, if I'm being honest, and, and this My word. Up just being our final kind of thing today. Um, <laughs> I, Here we go. You ready? Do you want to hear a quote? Pat Riley is going off on the heat right now. I just thought it'd be, it's very relevant to this podcast. Okay. So maybe, yeah, yeah. Pat Riley on Kyle Lowry's conditioning. The bottom line with me, and for as far as hoping you can get the most out of players, that you have to be in world-class shape, you just have to be. He's definitely going to have to address that, and it will be addressed. <laughs> Pat Riley is what? Is he the well, how what's his involvement at the moment with the Heat? He's no, he is the president of the Miami Heat. Yeah. He so he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, Another cool. quote is that he says, Bam, or no, is that he says Tyler, Duncan, and Struess should forfeit half of their salary to Bam Adebayo in defense of Bam Adebayo. Wow. <laughs> that's insane. That's a pretty insane comment to me. That isn't it. I've never heard that from a fucking president of the team. That's <laughs> insane. That is an insane comment. <laughs> but I mean, power, I mean, good for him. And I mean, he is, when you make players take ownership, it can be one of the best things to do, I think, because there's just yeah, so many Sixers, of these athletes and that's what the Sixers, just sit you know. there and blame other people and blame stupid things. It's like when you actually see guys and, you know, staying with the baseball perspective, like one thing I've seen with the Mets this year is guys are taking ownership of like, like if they have a bad outing or a bad game, like they're like, yeah, that, that was on me. Like on it. And they're also, they're not, I think this is also different. They're not like, oh yeah, we just want to see, we just swept the Phillies in May. Like we're a elite team They're All they're saying is, you know, we'll see if we're good in, in September, October. Like, I think that's one thing that guys like Scherzer and Buck Showalter have really changed about the franchise. Buck They're not celebrating just, their victories oh, now. Buck is, like Buck has been so good, dude. He really has been. He's been just and it's not even like Buck was a good manager, but he was never like the best. No, he wasn't. Like, no, it's yeah. just been a perfect fit for him and <laughs> for the team. Buck, uh, Buck is the ultimate def, like the ultimate test of young, dude. Considering that twice, did you know this? That twice, Buck left the team, and the next year they won the World Series. D backs and Yankees. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Hmm. So hopefully that Buck has been great for the New York Mets. Um, but yeah, real quick, I mean that Pat Riley thing is interesting. But with the Phillies, I think that I think that their expectations are a little different than the Mets. I think the Mets, the way they went out and spent this offseason, I think it's we're not World Series or bust per se, but like the expectations are pretty up there with the World Series. Whereas the Phillies, I think, you know, this is the first year they really went out and spent. 
I think that this team just needs to make the playoffs and then build and get some experience. I think that it's not fair to them to expect a world series. I think the Mets, I was never coming in saying world series or bust just the way they performed at this point. It's kind of like, like I wouldn't really be satisfied if they just make the playoffs and go out first round. Like I think that their team is just built for, I think they've got a really good shot this year. I think that they definitely got some holes they need to address, but starting pitching, man, it, it wins things. And I think that, what I'm, what I've seen that they've been 18 over with Degrom and Scherzer. I think made eight starts, seven starts, and Degrom made yeah, zero. I, think, I mean, I just think the most frustrating thing about watching the Phillies for sure is just that, like you're watching an all-time great waste his prime. At the end of the day, like you're watching like the best hitter, like like the guy, like I'm watching this guy on a night and night out basis. And I can't believe how good he is, and then I can't believe that we have this dude on our team and we still suck. It's like, like the the Angels. It's very perplexing. We also have him on such an insanely good contract. I can't believe people were saying, oh, what a bad contract at the time. Like, his AV is like $25 million. It's awesome. It's just like, yeah. it sucks. Like, it just, it sucks that you're watching this guy. Which is prime. But I'm hoping, like, I'm just glad. I'm surprised that we actually did something. I really thought we were just going to be complacent and wait till the end of the year. But at the end of the day, like, this guy had like four months left of his contract. Like, get him the F out of town. He sucked. He didn't want to be here. He was apathetic. He didn't care when we lost. Get him out of town. Like, yeah. he sucked. The players hated him. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with the Phillies is the one thing I would say is I think their roster construction, like, yeah, they went all out and like Schwarber and Castellanos are great players. And like, they're kind of some of them, you know, they're kind of starting to finally come around. But like, I think that this team, that maybe signing one of those guys and then putting a little more into the bullpen of the rotation would have been a better use just because I think I, that but the I Phillies think pitching right now is just a mess. I think you made a good point in that, like, it's the first season we've come out and said, like, to really build a contender, bro, like, you've got to It spend. takes two years, yes. Yeah, you've you got to spend it. And this, this was about getting the pieces around Bryce because it's what Bryce wanted. And, like, at the end yeah. of the day, you can't you can't make Bryce unhappy. You can't have him – you cannot have him wanting to leave. It, people Definitely. will not – people will stop going to the games if he leaves. I'm not kidding. They'll have an empty stadium yeah. if he leaves. Like, yeah. it's just – it's just disgraceful because, like – it's it's a losing franchise. We made the playoffs four times this deck, like this century. It sucks. Like we had one all time. <laughs> There's no way stats. that's that's true. In the last I century, believe, since two thousand. No, no, in the twenty first century, I should say. In the twenty first okay. century, I should say. Four times in twenty one years. Like four years. times in a hundred years. No, not four times in a hundred. I don't know if I can figure the team to make the playoffs four times. In 100 years. <laughs> Four, that would be one, that, you would be that's the worst franchise in, in sports history with us yeah look i mean look we've only won two world series and we've been around since the 1880s although to be fair like we weren't we didn't technically well, the Philly, really, it was the philadelphia athletics right no nah, they're they were they're two separate they were two separate teams so you the, guys were what the uh the phillies always been the phillies since the 1880s really yeah because then the, Phil, the philadelphia athletics were a different team Okay. The and then they issue, moved to Oakland. Okay. Yeah. And the craziest part was the athletics were the main team in Philly, much like the Yankees are the main team. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, the Yankees, I, that's not nah, nah, nah. like not right now, but the Yankees have been the main team, you could say. I mean, they're just yeah. such a dynasty, they're the greatest dynasty in sports at the end of the 27 World Series. Yeah. But I, I think, funny enough, like the Phillies didn't really have any money for like 40 years. So they were kind of just like subsided by the A's. And like yeah. that's why we didn't really win anything because we didn't have any money to buy players, which is yeah. how it used to work back in the day. But yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it. Like, I think that, and I, we'll see if Middleton does it. But like last year, the Mets went out. They signed Lindor. They signed some of these guys like James McCann. Like they signed. A, they they kind of said yeah. the pieces. They have got a lot of guys on big deals. And it's like, if you really want to win, like you have to do whatever you, it takes to win. And like that's what I've seen with Cohen. Like Cohen obviously went out and signed Scherzer, Marte, Canna, Escobar, all these guys, and then. You know, this year they, he cut Robinson Cano. He, you know, ate the money, which obviously I don't think many owners in the MLB would. But he said, you know, Robbie Cano. I mean, Robbie Cano is pure awful. Obviously, the Padres just kind of. I mean, that guy is is as washed as I've ever seen an MLB player. Um, but and then you know they send down Dom Smith. Like if you're not performing, you're not going to play. And I think that's one thing about the Mets that I've really liked this year, and I think is a culture change. Like they're not worried about money. They they want to put the best. 26 players on the field, best 20, you know, how many ever guys it is. And they're not worried about, you know, eating contract. And and that's awesome. I think the Phillies, like I said, I mean, I think making the playoffs would be a huge success. And But John Middleton needs to put a little more money into the team because I think if he committed like 30 more million into their team just to the pitching, 
I mean, they could be a serious contender. I do think the defense has to upgrade too. So I don't think that the Philly defense agree. is going to win a World Series. It, it, it sucks because, like, although Bryce isn't obviously a great right fielder. Yeah, like, Bryce being out. Bryce being out is just Because like, that means Schwarber. It's, it's no, more yeah, – it's Schwarber, not like Bryce. Like, that's not how you like, – Bryce has to pull. It's not even that you're missing Bryce's defense. It's that you're now getting Schwarber and Castellanos. Yeah, exactly. Like, with Bryce – like, you at least have, like, an average outfield defense, I would say, with Bryce yeah. out there. But, like, Jesus Christ, dude. With Kyle Schwarber. Castellanos both. It's not great. But, like, I, I'm not a big – like, I'm a pretty big Kyle Schwarber defender. Like, I get he wasn't hitting great at the, at the end of the year, but, like, he's – He hits bombs, bro. He'll hit like, he, he, he's getting, like yeah. that's, what I, that's what I was saying to somebody earlier. Like, he's, he's, he's getting paid. Like, he's doing what he's getting paid to do at the end of the day. He, like, he's never like last year. I think he had like 250. Like he was never gonna do that again. No, yeah, he hits home runs. He hits home yeah. runs, and he's yeah. on what like a 20 million dollar contract. Like, it's yeah, bad. no, it's nothing. Yeah, it's not, it's nothing. No, less than that. Actually, he's on five, he's on 580, 478, right? I thought he was on, five. he's definitely on five here. No, Nick's on five. Nick's 500, cast Schwarber's 478. Oh, I'm almost 100% right. confident. No, I know Castellanos is on five. No, you're right. It was for you, idiot. To almost 20. Like, I know Castellanos is five years. I, I probably just thought they were both five years because I knew Castellanos' number. But, yeah, man, I mean, this is just – I mean, from a Phillies fan – like, from a Phillies fan perspective, like, you would understand, like, if you would follow the team a little more closely, like, it's just that, like, McPhail really tanked the tanked the crap out of this team. Like, this guy ran the team for years. We – think about it. We were awful for, like, six straight – like, awful. Before we at least started being mediocre, we were awful for six straight years. And who do we have to show for it? Reese Hoskins, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, they botched no. the, the draft, man. The drafts, they, they, there's yeah, just so no young talent. We have two guys, no we have home two run. guys, they have two guys coming through now who they hope can be the savior, the saviors, which is Painter and Abel. And this Painter guy is supposed to be a, a demon. This Painter guy, where is he ranked? He is about to break into the top 100, apparently, because he broke like the low, he broke like the low A record for strikeouts and like a really low amount of time. He went to Florida, I believe. Nice. Andrew Painter. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's your number one guy right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Phil's not have a top 100 prospect? Um, like right now? In the next, in the next, what's it called? They're, this guy, Logan Update, O'Hop. Yeah. But right Logan. now, they don't. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no, they do. Well, I guess. In the next. Oh, Painter. Painter's ranked 72 right now on MLB. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, and then Mick Abel, 74. And then Logan O'Hop is supposed to break into the next one. So MLB Network says. Oh, did they just update? They might have just upgraded this recently. Because now Alex Ramirez of the Mets is, is number 100, and he wasn't on there. So maybe they just updated it. I don't know. Yeah, no, this this dude, <laughs> this dude in 44 career minor league innings has 81 strikeouts. Andrew Painter. Jesus. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's as good as it gets. All right. Well, we've talked a lot in this episode. We kind of rambled, yeah. but I mean, it was fun conversation at the end of the day, a fun time. So with that being said, though, that will do it for this week's episode of Outside the Arena. If you are new here, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the video. Um, you know, check us out on Instagram at Outside the Arena Podcast. Check us out on Apple Spot, Apple Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify at Outside the Arena. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week talking NBA Finals. Um, I do want to talk about the NFL schedule, so maybe we'll fit that in next week as well. But with that being said, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you all next week.